0: Welcome to the mini break, your day podcast for the big storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, June 27th. On today's show, I want to offer my thoughts on Everything that happened throughout the day in Eastbourne, in Bad Hamburg, and of course in Mallorca on both the ATP and WTA tours. I thought it was an excitement-inducing day, at least as it relates towards getting amped for the start of the year's third major. And if you're looking for 2023 Wimbledon preview content, we've got you covered here at Cracked Rackets. Now, it's not going to be housed on this podcast, but over on our great Shot Podcast feed. You can hear myself talk to a cast of characters from throughout tennis media as we try to preview 2023's Wimbledon from every possible angle. We'll talk about the dark horses. We'll talk about the contenders, how we expect the Americans to perform. Of course, once we have draws, we'll break them down as well. Again, all of that content available on our Great Shot Podcast feed, which you can find wherever you listen to your podcasts or on our Website crackedrackets.com. Again, here on this show today, I want to focus on what is the final week of warm ups prior to the start of the 2023 Wimbledon. And as I alluded to earlier, why did I think it was an excitement inducing day? It's because even though we're less than a week out from the start of the year's third major, we still have a bunch of top players in the world competing, particularly on the WTA side in esports. And I'm well aware of the fact that Elena. Rabakina has withdrawn from the event. Petra Kvitova now, after winning last week in Berlin, she withdraws from this week's event in Eastbourne. We also got Barbara Krejcikova, a finalist last week in Birmingham. She withdrew today from the event in Eastbourne. Doesn't matter. Still had so many of the top players in the world on court competing on Tuesday in Eastbourne, and a lot of them look the part of top contender heading into the year's third major, particularly players like Jessica Pagula, who we have not seen play on a grass court until today. God, was she excellent against Jung Chin Wen in a straight round, uh straight set, excuse me, victory. I thought Coco Gauff looked a lot better in week two here than she did in week number one. Players like Caroline Garcia, Yelena, as- uh, excuse me, Anjabur, Beatrice Haddad, Maya all finding their footing as well. Yelena Ostapenko continuing to look the part of contender. The most serious data points on the day came from Birmingham, uh, excuse me, from Eastbourne, so that's where I'm going to spend the majority of this podcast focused on today, but obviously Eastbourne doesn't just have WTA action, it's got ATP action as well and while there weren't too many notable results on the men's side of things, at least as it relates towards previewing Wimbledon. Still plenty of fun tennis to talk about throughout the course of the day, whether it's in Eastbourne, where you had a couple of Americans, Mackie McDonald, or his. Fellow UCLA alum Maxine Cressy earning wins. And for Cressy to snap an 11-match win streak, might he just get that wave of confidence heading into Wimbledon where we know he can be dangerous? Talk about those two. Talk about the other results on the day in Eastbourne in Mallorca. The final tournament of Feliciano Lopez's career continues as he earns a first-round win. You had number two seed Alejandro Davidovich Fokina knocked off by a lucky loser. Again... Big storylines today? No. And that's why if I had to guess, this will be on the shorter side of Mini Break Podcast. Now, I suppose, again, you'll have already heard this show. Uh, You'll see how long it is when you click on the link. I do not know how long this show will be as of the opening of recording. But nevertheless, we'll talk through everything Eastbourne, Mallorca on the men's side. And then, of course, we'll head back to Bad Hamburg where... It was a fun day of tennis. I do think it was more fun day on the women's side, perhaps, than the men here, just given all the top players you had in action in Eastbourne, given the fact that Samson Ovinoskova played a brilliant three-set match in Bad Hamburg a friend of the pod, Emma Navarro, former NCAA singles champion. She earns another impressive straight-set victory at the tour level, and, you know, Spoiler alert, David Gertler and I talk about Emma Navarro in our WTA Dark Horse podcast. Now, the context of her being a dark horse, not to win the title, but to certainly win a few matches in the Wimbledon main draw, there were storylines. There are things still to be learned, things still to analyze, even though... It's the week before the start of a major, and typically you can write those off on the calendar. And so with that in mind, that is what I will plan on doing, offering you all the latest information on everything happening in the tennis world, as we always do here on this show. Of course, the reason we're able to do it is because of all of you who tune in day in, day out, and because of the support we get from our dear friends at Tennis Point Tennis-point.com, the promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest equipment at the best prices in the tennis world. Again, tennis-point.com, the promo code is CR15. All right, let's start in Eastbourne. Again, on the women's side of things, what a fun day. Again, it's, it's Tuesday, June 27th. We are less than a week out before the start of Wimbledon, and we had Pagula, Goff, Garcia, Haddad, Maya, Jabir, Ostapenko, you could argue six of the top 12, 13 contenders heading into Wimbledon, certainly six of the top 13 players in the world and they were all in action on court here today. What a privilege it is to be a tennis fan and let's just rapid fire through how all of them looked. I guess I'll go from in in descending scale of how impressed I was. So we'll start with the most impressive. JPEG, Jessica Pagula, been a while since we'd seen her play a grass court match, obviously a full year since last year's Wimbledon, been a while though since we'd seen her play a match, about a month overall since she had lost that third round match to Elisa Mertens, a rare, dare I say, pre-quarter final loss, at a big event for Jessica Pagula, she took a month, reset, looked the part. In her first round win today over Junction, went 6-3, 6-4. Now, the first serve looked like she hadn't played a match in a month. She only made 49% of them, but didn't matter. When she landed her first serve, she was on top of every first strike. And, you know, her ability to redirect the ball down the line on a whim off of either forehand, backhand, ground stroke... It's why she's so dangerous on this surface. She's not a Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club player. It's not the overwhelming pace of a Rabacana, of a Sabalenka, even of a Jung Chin Wen that's so abundantly clear via the eye test. But it's how steady she is from the baseline. It's the relentless depth of her returns, how athletic she is as a mover on this surface. She's comfortable taking time away by moving forward to the net, hitting both the swinging volley, the drive volley, the drop volley, the overhead she's just very skilled and those skills thrive on this surface where again i think she moves well it, 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 she did a great job every time chin wen hit a heavy topspin forehand that ball just sat up not on the way it sits up in on clay but it sat up at the hip for pagula to drive and redirect down the line she just had chin wen on a string and again there were two breaks of serve in this match pagula broke once a set That's grass court tennis for you. A JPEG for a first match on grass courts to execute that well on serve, particularly on a day when you make fewer than 50% of your first serves, but to execute that well in your service games against someone who can present such an issue and disrupt your rhythm as well as Jung Chin-Wen could. I don't think Chin-Wen played poorly. I think Pagula played that well. She's your most impressive top seed on the day. Three and four victories. She advances to the round of 16. After that... I mean, it's tough. Everyone after that was pretty even across the board. Pagula is really the only one who stood out. Caroline Garcia, 1-5 over Madison Brangle. I mean, what Caroline Garcia does so well, that ability to hit the first serve, hit the first forehand, hit the return of serve from inside the baseline, on the rise, be the aggressor, hit the first volley, just take it to her opponent. That relentless aggression of Caroline Garcia. Obviously, it should thrive on this surface. I mean, she won Bad Hamburg this week last year. We know what she's capable of doing. Madison Brangle, while valiant effort in the second set, set setting a breakdown, she finds the break back. She just gets Garcia to doubt herself a little bit more on the return of serve, and now a few errors start to slip in, and Brangle hangs around, but she just couldn't hurt Caroline Garcia significantly at any moment, and so the the only time the scoreboard was close was when the errors began to kick in, and that's a credit to Brangle who forces and coaxes that doubt and those errors out of you, but... Garcia looked in rhythm for the majority of the match. Was dominant on serve, one in five victory. She's through to the round of 16. Coco Goff it was a little dicey at first, but three and two, she knocks out Bernardo Pera. She's through to the round of 16. You look for Goff now. I think 24 and five against players outside the top 50 this year. Uh, what did she do well? She won 80 percent of her first serves. She won. She made 75 percent of her first serves in the match. Didn't face a break point. I continue to see renewed aggression from Coco. Not renewed aggression, but, dare I say, newfound confidence in her first serve, first strike, get to the net, be the aggressor, use her speed to beat you to the spot, moving forward mentality. She just does it a little bit more relentlessly now, and I think that is certainly going to help her maximize her success on this surface. So I actually, I thought Goff looked a little bit better than Caroline Garcia, truth be told, on the day, and I made a passionate argument with David Gertler, who joined me in our Women's Dark Horses podcast for why I would not be surprised if Coco Goff is in a quarterfinal, semifinal at Wimbledon. As her seed dictates, she should be in that conversation. Anjabur, so much better than she was last week, three and two over Jasmine Paolini. She was hitting the slices confidently again, but more than anything else, she was stepping into her backhand. The footwork was just so much better timed this week than it was last week, and guess what? It helps when you get a second match on a surface in a season, and look, Paulini made life a little tricky, but her backswings were just too big, and she didn't have time to do that against Anjabur, who advances through in straight sets. Other winners on the day. All aboard the Ostapanko Express, 4-3. and three, And I talk a lot about her in our French Open preview, so I'll save you all repeating myself. But she's not a dark horse. She's straight up a contender to win the title. Hadad Maya, 7-6 in the third over Bojkova. Bojkova was up 6-3, 2-love. Hadad Maya then 4-2. From there, Bojkova actually breaks back for 3-4, but Haddad Maya takes the final two games of the set. Third set was just a war. And look, Boschkova made the semifinals of Wimbledon last year. Her ability to move on this surface and, again, play real tennis, you just don't see it from very many players. But, man, I mean, Haddad game should work on the surface really well. That lefty serve-wide on the ad side, first forehand to the open court, her ability to drive the return of serve, her confidence and willingness to move forward, her size to beat you to the spot – which is so valuable here on this surface. She's healthy. If she's fit, we saw what she could do at the French Open. Wouldn't shock me at all to see her do it again at Wimbledon. So I thought she, again, to get that first win under your belt, to do it 7-6 in the third over, such a tough test in Bojkova. Bojkova played well, and she's back on the radar heading into Wimbledon. But too good from Haddad Maya. Your other winners on the day. You had Wang Shiyu, uh, I believe, yes, six four six two over Rebecca Marino. Camilla Georgie always has to be respected, just given her pedigree on this surface, particularly relative to the field. Three and four over Heather Watson. Then how about Petra Martic? Four and five over Katie Boulter. Uh, Petra Martic played a lot of grass court tennis. In theory, why wouldn't her slice backhand, that ability to move forward, work? But then you see the forehand backswing, and you're like, oh yeah, that's I suppose targetable still. That's the action in Bod- uh, in Eastbourne, and again, like, listen to this round of 16, all of these matchups, Madison Keyes, if she can get things going, obviously, she beat Martin Sova yesterday, she's a very winnable match against Wang Shiyu, you know, she, and then, you know, that's round of 16, number one, top half of the draw, Wang Shiyu versus Keyes. Martich versus Haddad Maya, Pagula versus Kami Osorio. Shout out to Kami. We talked about her yesterday. Four and four over Shelby Rogers. Coco Goff versus Jody Barrage. If that top half of the draw is Keys, Haddad Maya, Pagula, Goff, you're playing for Wimbledon Dark Horse contender status at that point the rest of the way. And then bottom half of the draw. Ostapenko's a title contender in my mind. I've talked every day on this show this month about my fondness for Harriet Dart's grass court tennis. There's times when she looks like a discount or, dare I say, even at times on the surface, a better Belinda Bencic. Georgie versus Jabir in. Pliskova versus Kasakina, contrast of styles in. I don't love Garcia Bogdan. That's probably the match you skip, but... It's a lot of good names across the board. And still, Tennis Abstract doesn't know who to pick. Jabir, 19 7. 18.7. Goff 15.2. You know, Keys 9.9. 9. Uh where's Pagula? Pagula's only 5%. hadadmaya 7%. Garcia 8.5%. Pliskova, 8%. They're saying Eastbourne is the roadmap. Show us you can win a pick Uh it's anyone's sort of ballgame event in. Again, that's what we're looking for as prognosticators, to, for, to be confident in our picks, in our predictions. Show me you have that level. Uh, and I do think, again, Eastbourne this week provides a lot of top UTA players the opportunity to not just show us, but to prove to themselves, like, no, I'm comfortable, I'm playing my best, I'm ready to roll on this surface moving forward. That was the women's action in Eastbourne today on the men's side. Couple of upsets. Uh, Zhang Zizhen, uh, the young. Chi- uh, is he that young now? How old is Zhang Zizhen? Zhang Zizhen, 26 years old, is the man from China. Uh, I don't think that's that young anymore, all due respect. But he's up to a new career high, 54 in the live rankings. That's after he reaches the round of 16, 7663 over Lorenzo Sanego. I mean, look. The 26-year-old has had a really sneaky solid season. You look at what Zhang Jike's been able to do: 54 and 30 overall over his last 52 weeks. 17 and 18 overall this year doesn't look great on paper, but where are those matches happening? Main draws of ATP events, and when he does get wins, he reaches a quarterfinal in Madrid. He reaches third round in Roland Garros. He Wins a couple of qualifying matches to get into the main draw of Indian Wells. He loses to Stroof in the final round of qualifying in Miami. I got no issue with that. Started his year 1-6 overall. So since then, what? 16-12? and 12? You make a third round of a slam. You make a quarterfinal at a master. Now you're beating another top 50 guy in Senego here in the first round in Eastbourne. How you can make a top fifty push, consolidate your spot, moving forward to play all the big events. And look, the twenty six year old's big. He's got a big frame. He's got big weapons. Takes big cuts. Those weapons are a problem here on this surface. Seven six six three. He knocks out the Italian, who just sprayed a little bit too much here today. But again, I think the reason he sprayed is he felt the impetus to be a little bit more aggressive because. Zheng Zhizhen just had him on the back foot. Uh, impressive stuff from the 26-year-old. Again, 6-3 over Sonego. Your other upset, Michael Emer. Former junior Wimbledon finalist. He's always able to f- play his physical brand of tennis. I don't care what the surface is. 3-6, 6-4, 6-2 over Botick Vandesen, Skulp. Van just lost the thread at the end of the match. He has struggled of late in particular. You look for Botik now overall here this season. And I believe for Botik, I want to say he made the finals to start the year in India. But, you know, you look for Botik now overall. Yeah, he's lost six matches in a row uh, since making the final in Munich. He's lost... Runa in that final, then Karatsev first round, Euro first round, Tarante first round, Tiafo first round in London, now Emer first round in Eastbourne. A little bit of a struggle for the man, two days my senior. Um, you look for Michael Emer, I mean, this is how you consolidate a top 75 spot. Emer 44-30 and 30 over his last 52 weeks, 21-16 and 16 here this year. You know, again, it lost four matches in a row coming into this, so this gets things headed back in the right direction, heading into a hardcourt summer where there are a lot of points to defend. Uh, you look for them last summer, semifinals at the City Open, semifinals in Florence in October, You know, quarterfinals indoors in France in September – there's a, a bunch of pockets of points for Emer to defend coming up. And so, again, to consolidate his spot in the top 70, ensure he can get into all the events he wants to play throughout the rest of the year. He's done that with his first six months. So, for what it's worth, mission accomplished. And, again, done so with a top 50 victory today over and Shkulp, your other winners, Liam Brody, 3-4 and four over Jan Chwinski, who just really couldn't hurt the lefty. But nice win for Brody. Good win for Mackie McDonald, 3-3 over Chachanato. This will never be his surface. And then Max Cressy, 11 consecutive losses. Wins his first set in many, many months—in uh, a month, excuse me. 6-4 over Galan. Serves for the match 6-4, 5-4. Galan breaks him at love. What does Max Cressy do? He breaks right back. He serves out the match 6-4, 7-5. You look for Cressy on the day. I mean, it was as advertised. 7-8. Uh, seven aces, 32 of 40 on the first serve. Only five double faults. And I say only five because he's a guy who it can sneak into double digits there real quick for the aggressive Cressy. Look, he, what, won Eastbourne last year. He beat Felix in Wimbledon last year. His aggressive game style is maximized on this surface. If he's confident, which he hasn't been in months, but now you get one win. Very winnable match against Jung Ji-Zhen in round number two. Yeah, I'm not selling all my Cressy stock heading into Wimbledon because if he's ever going to have a big slam, you feel like that's the one where it really could click. Uh, Cressy's through to round number two. You know, again, we, we're we going to, starting tomorrow, get to see our top seeds in action. Taylor Fritz will take on Mackie McDonald round one. You just look at the round of 16s. Fritz McDonald, Brody Emer, Sarundalo going to start his campaign against Hussler. It's Cressy versus Zhang Zhijian, Kesmanovic versus Vukic, Yari versus Beret, Wolf versus Van Asha. That's the sneaky fun one. And then Tommy Paul versus Sebastian Baez. That's a lot of athleticism on the court in Eastbourne. That's where things stand heading into the round of 16. Now, again, I I don't think we learned too many valuable data points from the men's side of things in Eastbourne. I do think we got another data point or two on the women's side of things in Bad Hamburg. And look, Emma Navarro is just the real deal. And I tweeted about this earlier, so apologies for repeating myself. But since turning pro last May is 61 and 25 overall. She's played 86 matches in 12 months. 61 and 25. She's won 71 percent of them. She made a 100k final on grass last week. It shouldn't be that shocking to see her beat Podoroska, to see her earn a five and six victory over an Alize Cornet, and now you know make the second WTA. Uh, WTA-level quarterfinal of her career, excuse me, and further consolidate her place in the top 60. You know, again, she just turned 22 years old. She only spent two years in college, won an NCAA singles title, was clearly, if not one, one of the two best players in college Her in both of the seasons she played. And by the way, the only player who got to that level, Peyton Stearns, is also now top 75 in the world as well. And Look, the Emma Navarro forehand serve combination is just non-negotiable. She has the ability to get to her spots, to play her shots, regardless of what her opponent's doing. And you need weapons in today's tennis. She has them. She has that subtle confidence every college player who has success brings to the pro tour, which is just to say, you know what? I know how to win matches. I've won a lot of matches. And that's a skill you can't. that just can't be faked, that... You have to learn how to win. You have to know how to trust yourself. 4-5, 30-all, I got this. Emma Navarro has that underlying confidence because she's been the best in the world at something. She's been the best college tennis player in the world. And that doesn't mean she's the best tennis player in the world, but you can't fake the confidence you gain from that. I call it the Stevie Johnson effect, where with that backhand, should Steve Johnson have been a top 35 player in the world ever? I don't know if the answer to that question is yes, does Steve Johnson have the gumptions? I mean, he has to serve his forehand, which are, of course, exceptional weapons. But he also just has the guts. He has the brain. He has the the heart to be a top 35 player, and that matters. And I, I just think Navarro has those non-quantifiable qualities in spades. And now she's got the physicality, the serve forehand to match as well. And so 5-6, and six, as I talked about in our preview of the week, she knocks out Alizé Cornet, that wasn't even your best match of the day. I mean Ludmilla Samsonova, six four, six seven, six three. I said on yesterday's preview podcast, however close that match is is a testament to how close Noscova is to being a consistent top thirty player, cause God are her weapons just real. They were firing. Not the longest rallies, but ugh, some breathtaking winners. Samsonova's heating up. You know, again, Samsonova's got a ton of points to defend over the course of August onwards. One more month before things get start to get real serious for the Russian. And so good push for her just to get into another quarterfinal here. And, you know, again, now she'll face the winner of Sinyakova and Rodina. That's a very winnable match. Now all of a sudden you got a shot at a semifinal where you face the, you know, winner of... Uh, Navarro and Masarova. It's a real opportunity here for Samsonova to make a pre-defend by points push. Of course, the last result of the day, probably the most surprising. Look, Rebecca Masarova, twenty-four years old in August. She's got the size, like she has the weapons, and slowly but surely is putting all the pieces together and. Ugh, Masarova just blitzed Bianca Andrescu today. She made 73% of her first serve. She won 94% of her first serve points. Did Andrescu do much to put up a fight? No. But there wasn't much she could do. Like, Masarova has my attention. She's tall, she moves well, the length of her ground strokes just is exceptional the power she can produce, how well she uh, she absorbs and redirects because of her length. I'm kind of in. A, like re- You look for Rebecca Masarova, who's currently sitting at 69 in the rankings, reached a career-high 67 earlier this year. She's 53-26 and 26 overall, 28-13 this year. Of course, made a final in Auckland to start the season, made a final at 100K back in April, semi-final to 125K on clay to start the month. Tough loss to Podoroska last week in three sets, but now wins over Sasnovich and Dorescu. A very winnable match against Emma Navarro. And you look at those two right now. Navarro, 57 in the live rankings. Masarova, new career high, 66. Winner's going to a career high ranking no matter what for Masarova. It'll jump her up to 59. For Emma Navarro, she'll go up to 53. Keep an eye on those two. I, I, I'm... Rebecca Masarova might have a breakout summer. Like, if uh, she if she ends the year top 50, it should surprise no one because, God, does she have the size, the weapons to do so. It's a fun round of 16 in Bad Hamburg. Or, they're a day ahead, I forgot. So, round of 16 matches remaining. Teichman Sviantek, Fernandez, Blinkova, Sharif Bronzetti, Sinyakova Rodina. You have my attention, Bad Humburg, and we'll keep you updated there, of course, throughout the course of the week. Last but certainly not least, let's move now to Mallorca. A blitz through this quickly, Alejandro Davidovich Okina just didn't look comfortable. Pavel Kotov was taking it to him. And there are times when you watch Kotov play, it's very Karatsev-esque with the length of his forehand and just his ability to explode through the ball. Still, good win for the lucky loser. 2-6, six, 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 He's into the quarterfinals here. And as such, he is now up to... Let's see, where is Katov up to? He's up to 104 in the live rankings, up 12 spots, eight spots off his career high of 96. Manorino survived, 6-3 in the third. Moutet, straight set win over Carbeas Baena. Lloyd Harris threw in straights. Rinder Kanesh, 6-6 over Ramos Vinolas. Needed that win as the Frenchman struggled of late. And then Constant Lestien, 6-4 in the third over Jason Kubler. Of course, shout out to Feliciano Lopez, 3-5. Another match in what is the final tournament of the veteran Spaniard. He serves, he volleys, he has Rafa in his player box. It's going to be a party all week long, certainly, uh, for Feliciano Lopez. And then, I forgot to mention this in the intro, Wimbledon qualies results. First round for the women, now officially in the books. What uh, What happened, excuse me, that you need to know about, most notably, rapid fire through Avanissian, your top seed, the talented young Russian top 75 in the world wasn't obviously when qualifying came out. She gets a three in love win. Ashlyn Kruger gets a three set victory. Diana Yastremska, straight set victory Anna Konya straight sets. I'm never giving up my Konya stock. Elizabeth Mandelik, straight sets. Taylor Townsend, straight sets. Kennan, straight sets over Falcone. Schneider, straight sets over Havdi. Robin Montgomery, a straight set winner. Crete Minnen knocks out Jeannie Bouchard. Coco Vandeway gets a win. Ann Lee gets a win. Victoria Golubic knocks out Miriam Borklin. Those are two frisky uh, players who could do well. Again, frisky players if they get into the main draw. Three set win for Golubic. Brenda Fruvertova. Gets a straight set win. Kaya Yuvan, I'm still not selling my straw stock. She gets a straight set win. Clara Tawson, straight sets over Amina Bechtis. How about Kayla Day, the American, 7 6 in the third, 10 4. She wins the third set breaker uh, to advance to round number two. And, you know, with that said, looking at the most interesting round two qualifying matches for the men and women, both in action tomorrow. Eric Hondriva versus Diana Yastremska. You have my attention. I mean, Kruger. They're all in action. They're all pretty good matches. Schneider, Brogan, eh. Yvonne Zidancic, names people will perhaps be more familiar with. Sabah versus Fruvertova. That's one for the nerds. Anne Lee versus Gadecki. I think that's a fun one between two talented young players as well. Oroksa Roos versus Carol Zhao. Chloe Piquet versus Mira Andriva. Those are probably your best women's matches. On the men's side, one of the best matches of the day. Diallo vs. Gigante, Kovacevic versus vs. Jong, Svita vs. Pullmans, Hijikanto vs. Barrios Vera, Stricker vs. Vickovic, oh, and Sabeth I suppose, vs. Air Bear, Monday Albat, sure. It's just really depends. Deba- you know, I'm waiting for those round three years. I I'm I don't love the second round matchups. I mean they're all it's gonna be really good tennis, but there's no I liked some of the first round matchups I think a little bit more than the second round matchups, Wimbledon qualifying. Nevertheless, we'll keep you updated there, of course, as well and if you're looking for Wimbledon preview content. Great Shot podcast feed is the place for you. We're going to break down the year's third major from every angle. Contenders, dark horses, Americans, draws, you name it. We'll talk about it. Again, all of that content housed on the Great Shot podcast feed this week. Wherever you listen to your podcast, of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the (laughs) job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. A shout out as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point. Remember tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. With that said, that'll do it for today's show for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westhoff, our friends at Tennis Point. And from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. Talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.